Hello, and welcome to Sound and Image Lab, the Dolby Institute podcast. This is a show about how artists use technology to tell their stories. And I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. I am excited today to be talking to the filmmaking team of Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, who are known collectively as the Daniels. Uh, they are a pretty amazing writer-director team, and they have made an extraordinary new film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So like our conversation recently about the Batman with Matt Reeves and his team, this episode is epic. There is so much to dive into and talk about with this film. We're actually splitting this conversation up into two parts. So right now we're bringing you part one, where we discuss the making of the film with the Daniels, as well as a specific focus on the sound design. And then coming up later in the week, uh, we're going to uh, have more for, of our conversation with the Daniels, and we will discuss the film's music with Ryan Lott, the founding member of Sun Lux, which is the band that composed the score for the film. So you won't want to miss part two. Uh, if you do, you're only getting half of the story, as we say. So please subscribe to make sure you don't miss that second part of the conversation. So first up right now, you could say that the Daniels are friends of Dolby as we got involved with their first feature film, Swiss Army Man, which received the Dolby Institute Fellowship. And it was their first foray into mixing in Dolby Atmos, uh, which they really pushed to its creative limits. So I was thrilled to uh, find out about this new film and to see what they were gonna be up to. And they did not disappoint. It's really amazing. So uh, this first part of our conversation where we focus on the sound design and sound effects and mixing of the film, is uh, with the Daniels and with the film's supervising sound editor and re-recording mixer, Brent Kaiser, who I should point out is no relation to me, even though we spell our last name the same way, and the film's sound designer and sound effects editor, Andrew Twite. So look, if you have not seen Everything Everywhere All at Once yet, it is an epic bonkers film uh, and you really need to see it. So do yourself a favor, get up, hit pause on this podcast, go to a theater and watch this movie. It is honestly one of the most unique films uh, to come along in a long time. And I know that it's, it's in fashion right now to kind of complain about there's no quirky, original, interesting, independent movies in theaters right now. It's all comic book movies and big IP. Well, honestly, this is the most bizarrely original and interesting thing that is gonna come to your movie theater for a long time. So please go out and see this movie in the cinema. It is not on a streaming platform right now. It is available in Dolby Atmos and a lot of screens, and it's a pretty spectacular experience. I hope that you love it as much as I did. So uh, right now, let's hear from the filmmakers about what it was like making this film. So you guys, it is such a pleasure to be sitting at the Dolby round table with you guys. It's been a while since yeah. I've seen you guys. Um, we obviously got to know each other a little bit back in 2016. You guys were one of the first filmmaker team, well, first filmmaker team, certainly, to get the Dolby Fellowship. Yes. Mm -hmm. for Swiss Army Man. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, and that's how I met you guys as well. Yeah. Brent Kaiser, no relation to me. No relations. Andrew Twite, obviously, but... Also and, no relations. No relations <laughs> no <relation> whatsoever. <laughs> Andrew, uh, uh, but, but Brent, freakishly, the only uh, sound designer to ever get the Dolby Institute Fellowship twice for Andrew Swiss Army Man. Too. And Andrew, but also for Alma Harrell's film, Honey, Honey Boy. Boy. Honey Boy. Wow. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
Are so, you sure there's no relation? Definitely not. Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> but I am thrilled to be back here talking with you guys today Thanks because you have made another movie. Yeah. Daniel, Qua- Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. This Congratulations. Time we, we paid for the Atmos mix out of the budget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so much harder. <laughs> it was a lot harder. It was so it was so fun to be able to take Swiss Army Man into that space and to right. take the sound design seriously and we learned so much being able to uh be more thoughtful and careful on that one than a lot of indie filmmakers get to be you know right, yeah. you, usually you're like out of money and you're like oh quick sound mix it for free um, <laughs> yeah. um that was a miracle yeah it's a real gift well i you know i think you guys got the fellowship on swiss army man because you were doing something really interesting and creative with sound design that completely rocked our world when we saw the rough cut. And so, you know, just putting some muscle behind that and helping you guys, you know, make it as crazy as it could possibly be was so much fun. And then I feel like you guys took everything that you learned on Swiss Army Man and then just amplified it a thousandfold (laughs) on everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, we went bigger. Yeah. (laughs) So... I just I have to start by asking you guys. So like I was somebody asked me like, okay, so everything everywhere, what, what's it about? And so it made my brain hurt and it made me want to cry. Actually, trying to <laughs> trying answer. to sum it up. No, trying to answer that question. So I have to. Uh, yeah. So what's the elevator pitch? What do you guys? Wish, how do you guys? What do you guys say? I, I wish you started crying because I feel like that yeah. would have been the best review. It's like, what's it about? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great review. I mean, the simplest thing I say is it's about a middle-aged woman who's trying to survive in the chaos of modern life and try to connect with her family through the noise of it all, and then she accidentally gets sucked into a, a sci multiverse action film that does not let go until the very end and it just starts to it's a film that starts to eat itself in a really playful way that um, hopefully reflects um, the, the times we're living in right now so mm. yeah all right, yeah, I think, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna memorize that that's yeah. good yeah because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ours was different what uh, what we ended up saying was uh, it's about a woman getting her taxes done, but there's 45 minutes of kung fu in a multiverse. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. <laughs> that's I like that wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There was. We used to say. We just remembered this this week uh, that like you know one of those the joke pitches for Swiss Army Man was like it starts with a fart that makes you laugh, it ends with a fart that makes you cry. And when we started this one, we were like, can we make a movie that will make people cry from the taxes by the end. We were like, can we make emotionally satisfying, cathartic, beautiful taxes? Uh, We didn't quite pull that off. This one, you cry. This one makes you cry, but the taxes are a very small part of it. It's just the entree. Yeah, it just kind of, it just primes you to be vulnerable because we all have such an emotional Mm -hmm. connection to um, taxes, taxation and whatnot. Or it could be like bitters. You know, you're big with Mm -hmm. your thing, helps you. Just a little flavor. Yeah, well, salivate to help you digest your food better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we're off to a good start. (laughs) Metaphors are up my, straight up my alley. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. great. Yeah. Amaros are Quan's up Quan's alley. So. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just send Quan Amaros from all over the world. Okay, right. Send you. Brent bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of what's your weakness? Uh, Amaro food. mixed with bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seated appropriately. That's my favorite cocktail. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about the development process and how this script came together because obviously um, I, I, I imagine that what we ended up seeing on the screen was probably not exactly the story that you started to tell. So can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about the development process and how you guys write together and how this thing came together? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we first started, we knew we wanted to um, create something that somehow bridge the gap between big blockbuster action films and really intimate risk-taking indie films. And we wanted to find a way to do both at the same time to carve out space for independent films in theaters because that that's sort of something that's slowly been um, you know being carved out more for um, these big big IP blockbuster films and uh, we wanted to create a, a, a family drama that could basically stand up against those films and uh, so we knew we wanted to make it really entertaining but also um, we wanted to kind of give ourselves a challenge of creating a multiverse film that actually stared at infinity and actually went all the way to its logical terrifying conclusion and yet still pulled you back from the brink of, of, of meaninglessness and gave you a warm hug by the end. And so that's that's all we knew we wanted. But beyond yeah, so that... So we start with yeah. like challenges like that yeah. and then... Uh, and those are kind of like the North Star and then we just threw a lot of paint at the wall. The, the, we outlined something that we were pretty proud of and did multiple outlines and then Dan wrote the first draft uh, while I went away and did this movie, The Death of Dick Long. Mm -hmm. uh, Great movie. uh, That they also worked on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, And came back and then read his 240-page uh, first draft. <laughs> it was great, but we had to decide, is it a movie or a miniseries? This is too long. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, you probably at that point it could have gone like limited edition series and sort of like... Yeah, yeah, but we had always thought like, no, we want this to be a movie. Like this is our version of a Marvel movie. Like we want it to be, <laughs> yeah. like you said, like a theatrical experience, but with something like really personal and heartfelt and risky in there. Uh, and so we took some of the paint off the wall and went through multiple drafts over the years. Um, But it's kind of a... Eight or nine drafts to kind of find the right chemistry because in the end, we knew we were breaking a lot of like traditional... Uh, screenwriting rules and a lot sure. of structural rules that like normally hold a movie together we couldn't rely on that stuff because we wanted to you know give the audience a new experience and so it was it, like I keep saying it's it, it felt like we were the infinite monkeys in a room trying to you know type out <laughs> Hamlet um, and you know we didn't type out Hamlet but we got this instead and, right the know. monkeys typed up something people yeah. seem to like yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thank god yeah. how do you strike because one of the things that really strikes me about this movie is like as storytellers, you're ahead of the audience, right? Mm. So my and I've had to I've I've, I've purposefully went and saw the film again. So I've seen it twice oh, in the theaters because yeah. I really, first of all, I can say that the first time I saw it, I probably only got maybe thirty percent of it because hey. there's just so much, right? Yeah. But so you're so far ahead of the audience. How do you? I'm curious how you guys maintain that balance of like piecing the story out enough to keep people engaged but not get so far ahead of them that people just get frustrated and like mm. I just don't I you know this doesn't make any sense to me so totally did you workshop it how did did you have people read the script like what was that a process a ton yeah, yeah. so I, I mean I think um, we like to bite off projects that we that we're going to be challenged by straight through the sound mix you know like we're not going to get to a point and be like nailed it you know right. no all we have to do is shoot it because it's a perfect script um and so, like, yeah, there was a lot of revisions in the writing, and uh, it evolved while shooting. Although we didn't rewrite while shooting, it was just trying to like find the the performances uh, sure. and and the energy and the shots. And then uh, editing a huge part of the editing process was doing test screenings, and we'd show it to three or four people, not a big group, and just kind of ask like. Did it lose you? Do you have questions? Where did it lose you? What are your questions? And uh, And we do this 
every two weeks, basically. After, once once we finish the first rough cut, we would do a test screening every two weeks just to make sure we're not going too far off in the wrong direction, which I, you know is 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 very scary and vulnerable thing to do. Um, but it was one it was something that Matt Hannum, our editor on So Sorry Man, taught us that like mm-hmm. to to make a movie, you really have to. Um, you, you know, you you lose yourself in it, which means you end up losing perspective, and you constantly have to be right. seeking. And the, we would yeah. and we would go into test screens, be like, "Oh, we know what's wrong. The third act's not there." And then in afterwards, they talk to us and be like, "I got lost in the first act," and we'd yeah. be like, "Okay, good to know. Like, let's <laughs> let's reevaluate what we're working on." Yeah. Uh, and but it's scary because you know a movie. Uh, gets better when it's sound designed and when the score's done and when the visual effects are there and they're not looking at green screens and you're having to like read between the notes. Um, Especially with a movie like this. Especially with a movie like this. Um, So luckily we had these guys down the hallway uh, or over Zoom um, helping us even during the rough cut phase so that like it looked and sounded pretty good even in the rough cut. Um, And so we were like our our rough cut was still had a ton of temp effects worked in there and a lot of sound design uh and because covid hit we uh had to slow down and that was good for the movie and we spent like a year editing and testing and tweaking um when initially we thought we were going to bang it out in like 4 <laughs> oh, months yeah, yeah everybody <laughs> right. go yeah you guys ready to do this and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me about the post process. So you you shot before COVID, mm-hmm. thankfully, because mm-hmm. I can't imagine. That, I think that COVID we, shut you guys down, though. You had <clears throat> a yeah. day or two left. We, we had one, one more day of principal photography planned, and we shut ourselves down at, on Friday night. Um, and I think I like to imagine, in a romantic sense, that we were the last production going before you know the before pandemic. The world went into yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we were shooting. It was like dawn was, on Saturday morning, yeah. and then that was that was when we stopped, and we did we did, yeah. So we canceled the Monday shoot. Right. Um, That's the day I was going to go to set. Yeah. Just to put that out. There. <laughs> what was, what was, Sorry, what was yeah. that? What was that last scene? What was the? What was the? What was the piece that you weren't able to get? It was. Um, it's the moment when the two, um, Evelyn and Waymond, are in the RV and they're discussing divorce mm. as she's getting – in the other universe, she's getting beaten up by Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Right. So that was the big main scene. And then there's a bun- there was a bunch and of green screen elements green screen and, day. and things oh, like that. Um, yeah. So it was like somewhat easy to push because it's like, yeah. okay, it's just green screen. But uh, Michelle's based out of Europe and uh, right. went home. And so then we had to shoot her scenes over Zoom with like a European crew. Uh, on green screen. Which, was, which is my least favorite version of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's when actors aren't next to each other and they're on green screen and like. And you're watching it over Zoom. And I'm watching yeah. it over Zoom. It and was like half the time you can't hear what's happening. So you just yeah. have to like trust that like, it's That working. looked pretty good, yeah. but the audio cut out. Yeah. yeah, and they were next to the, they set up their shop next to our studio, like the room next to it. And I remember coming over and they'd be like, hey, and I'm like, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna let y'all be. <laughs> it was yeah, it we was, hit some it was low tough. lows. It was, that a, was tough a tough day. day or a night actually, because also because they were in Europe, mm-hmm. we were shooting at like three in the morning. Oh, so sure. everything about it was um, just a nightmare. Not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious about how you guys kind of find your way through the post process because you know obviously you guys have been working together since film school, right? Yeah. That's that's you know when when you guys started this trajectory, and you you've come up through music videos and extremely I would say micro budget productions. Mm-hmm. So you guys have to do everything yourself. Like you shoot yourself. Like you, you know how to how to edit. You mm-hmm. also 
also do sound design, you also do visual effects. So how do you integrate with outside collaborators and kind of open that process up and let other people come in and work with you? Yeah, it's a great question. And we're still learning how to do it better with every project. You know, it's 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 like as directors who do it all, it's really hard for us to open up and, and let other people into the process. But luckily we've met collaborators like Brent and Andrew who understand what we prioritize and what matters to us and then also understand all the ways that uh, we're lacking and how to fill in the gaps of things that we don't understand how to do. And so often for... Um, when it comes to sound and music for our films, like rhythm is so important to me. And so like, that's something that they know is my lane and they, they kind of like defer to me for rhythm. And then as far as the mix and the specific sounds and the way that it all kind of, um, integrates and that's I, I pass that off to them and they kind of fill out the rhythm that that we're creating especially for a film like this the rhythm is so important because it, mm-hmm. it kind of it feels like a, a roller coaster ride and mm-hmm. if the rhythm's not right you, it could feel like you're just going off the rails at any moment and so just finding the way to kind of smoothly bring us into different universes and out of different universes and every now and then you know, not so smoothly but on purpose to kind of really make the make a, the audience kind of um shake shake them out of their um their complacency um but then having having uh, a, a team like brent and andrew to kind of be the ones to help put up guardrails and clean the whole thing up and fill again fill it with personality that right. um you know yeah we don't know how to do and we don't have the time to do it either so it, it it's it feels like a really good um you know uh Synth- or synthesis of, of, of all of our skill sets. Yeah. I don't know, you, guys, you guys could talk more about that if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can leave if you want to roast. If you want to roast. <laughs> yeah, we'll just this cover our ears. No, you know, the, uh, to the beginning of the process too, you know, these guys are great at what they do. And so our biggest thing to really bite ourselves in the butt would be to be like, oh, that's sweet, guys. We got it. Right. Um, So instead, what we try to do, and we learned this lesson on Swiss Army, was let us create a library for you guys to have during the editorial and let us be around um, because, you know, temp love is very real. And the problem is, is sometimes it's so good and we want to go back to what it is, but we can't recreate that feeling Um, I think one of the great things that you guys uh, made us realize is like we want to go back to something like, oh, what about this, this? And then they just be like, I don't really know how we got here. I just know it works. (laughs) So we can't really touch it. And I'm like, oh, totally get on board. It's it's not they found some secret sauce in like by mistake. And that's one of the greatest things, our favorite songs. It's all this discovery of what did you do? Do that again, do that again, do that again. I don't know why it works, but it works. And so our biggest thing was empowering them to find that with our stuff. So, you know, a lot of times we were just building out things and it was the the direction would be like, I don't know, do something weird or, you know, (laughs) just go. Well, how do you feel about this? I don't know, just do something. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think one of the fun things was the the button on the side of the, Just the technology. The yeah, yeah, because yeah, we ended up being like because uh, it's so lo-fi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, your your UIs yeah, are crazy lo-fi. Yeah, yeah. it's really, it's, but it's really fun. So that must have, great, have been a, a fun challenge. It was for you. great. I mean, and that was something that they told us from the get-go. They're like, you know, it's this isn't so much about 
how the tech works or anything, but this is, it's nature. It's not super high tech, but it, it does this thing. And, but we, we want it to be like, there's a simplicity to it. Like when we first tried discovery for it, like I went crazy sci-fi, like mm -hmm. way, way over the top and everything. And we gave them what, like 20, 30 options for <laughs> potential green jumps and failed jumps. And I think Paul took them all in the edit and like, we didn't hear anything for like two weeks. And I was like, Brent, like what's going on? You didn't hear anything for two, but aren't they like right down the hall from you guys where well, they're cutting? <laughs> no, cause the pandemic actually made us, yeah. oh, we everybody like, was doing it. Yeah, that was okay, the original right. Plan. We were all going to be hanging out together right. in the same building, but that didn't that didn't work out, obviously. So and like so, Brent called Paul and he's like, "So how'd that stuff work?" He's like, "Oh, it's great." And he's like, "Oh yeah, which like which ones did you really like?" And he's like, "Oh, we just put them all on top of each other." <laughs> he's like, "It was awesome. It was <laughs> super like, sad." <laughs> but eventually, in that process, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, right? it's very fitting. Which we yeah, we we laugh about that all the time. But ultimately, it came back to like we really came back to something very standard that they had like a simplicity like making this one element overly complex one you didn't really have the time for that to evolve on screen so just like it needed to be identifiable something that you could come back to and know exactly what was happening when you heard that sound and then move on because you're seeing things happen so quickly who was yeah. it that did all those kind of musical oh my buddy Reese Richardson okay. um, basically we hit him up. We were so busy just trying to get everything in place. I called up my buddy and I was like, hey, man, can you just make a bunch of Windows 95 sounds on your Casio? Yeah. And he's like, all right, great. <laughs> and so he sent us like 200 and some odd. And I think the really the shining one out of all of it was the dun dun. Like, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. As soon as I heard that, I was like, I know exactly where yeah. that goes. And it just totally worked. I, I feel like the, the balance that we struck was taking some of these really lo-fi, simple sci-fi sounds sounds and then mixing it with something that was um, nostalgic or, you know, because sense, sense memory is such an important part mm -hmm. of filmmaking, I think, is, is, is how you like just tap into someone's context, right? And so, uh, for instance, when, when they press the button and it starts to charge, um, we combined the sci-fi, lo-fi stuff with a sound of a flashbulb charging from a camera. I remember that, so, that sound yeah. from like yeah. the, the 80s with my, when my flash yeah, would, yeah, yeah, would yeah. like, would exactly. like, you know. It's such a beautiful sound. It's a great yeah. sound. And yeah. so like when you combine those two things, it feels new and old at the same time and mm -hmm. you, you immediately click into it because of, of the familiarity. And so every time you hear it for the rest of the movie, you're, you, you're, you're primed already for yeah, it. So yeah, like, something's about to happen. Yeah. That's what it tells you. And right? so, and so yeah. the, the whole, all the technology was finding that balance just trying, trying to find something that felt familiar while also slightly you know slightly sci-fi slightly outside of of mm -hmm. the regular world mm -hmm. um because i think to our own tastes if it was one way or the other too too far one way or the other it just wouldn't feel as good yeah, yeah. that was a lot of the notes in the room is it's a little too new guys yeah. I think, uh -huh. uh, yeah for your story with uh daniel shiner talking about the fanny pack stuff Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that and uh, Deirdre falling down the stairs, like mm. when her head goes through the wall. Mm. So after we had like we had kind of done a mock up of that fight, like I did a bunch of recording and everything and got that together. And they're like, this is really great. Um, is there any way you can make it a little less badass? Like, <laughs> he's like, I want people to remember this as a fanny pack. You know, this mm. isn't like he's 
<laughs> got a brick in there necessarily. Like we want to feel this object. It hasn't necessarily changed. So it's like to remind, he's like, like, it's like sometimes lame is better. Like we use that word lame a lot. He's like, just make totally. it lamer. And like, <laughs> honestly, like that was a huge lesson in like perspective for me. It's like, and intention. I was like, oh, you know, that, that can totally work. You yeah. know, like it doesn't have to be this huge, big, overwhelming thing. It can like you just right. swung one around at home and found well. So before, 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 right? so but, <laughs> hang on. What keep hold that thought before you get into that? Our, our friends, our friends at A twenty four did give us a clip of that sequence oh, of right. the fanny pack oh, fight. Right. Wow. So we're gonna we're we're gonna pause for a second, and here's the uh, the fanny pack fight sequence. Deconstruct that sequence for us. How did you? Uh, okay. How did you? Uh, I, I never would have. First of all, like the first time I saw that with an audience, the audience goes nuts oh, wow. yeah. in that sequence, right? Because <laughs> it's just so. Un- first of all, it's 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 key, mm-hmm. and then it's the fanny pack, which is not a weapon, you know, that you typically associate with a badass fight sequence. Totally. So the audience was just crazy. So how did you? How did you find that? My the, younger self like went nuts when I first saw that sequence. I was just like, oh my god, this is gonna be so much fun. <laughs> but fortunately. My wife is a fanny pack enthusiast, and right. she has like <laughs> thirty fanny packs. And when I approach, sound that's, of- that's why we hired him. <laughs> yeah. it's like word on the street is. <laughs> so I literally took this bag and dumped them all out, and I was just like, when I approach recording something, I feel like. Uh, even if we're going to make it bigger or weirder or whatever, it's always good to see how far you can go with that actual object and see what you can get out of it. And I'm like, well, it's fanny pack. I'm going to record some fanny packs. And I've got all these materials, all these different um, zippers and clicks, clasps and everything. So I recorded them all, like every single one of them. I was hitting them on the couch. I was hitting my leg in the office, like all sorts of stuff to get different impacts. I put stuffed animals in them like just just to try like i wanted at least all that stuff it may just come across as just a hit but it's like i wanted it to be original so did you hurt yourself or anyone else i, I left a little class mark on my my calf cool. yeah. <laughs> it's his new thing but yeah. and then i took some winch straps because like one of their like one they are really great about giving us references for scenes and what we should use. Like Kung Fu Hustle was a big one for this. And it's a very rhythmic scene. And uh, so we just leaned into that Kung Fu big time. And like a lot of that is often swishes and whooshes, but like I felt the straps could really be used as an element as opposed to just air moving around all the time. Mm -hmm. So I took these wind straps I had in the back of my truck and just played with them for like an hour and got these great little zips. And yeah. those, that's like that initial coming out of the hand, yeah. Like, yeah. All, yeah. all of that, great. yeah. And like when he wraps it around his arm, you can hear just zip, zip, like, and those kind of things just add a character that's not just breathy, and you know, yeah. I, it just adds to the playful enough playfulness of it. But the way it was choreographed too, man. Sure. Like you had all these beats laid out for you initially, just to follow. Like his their AAF was just uh, across the board, such a great roadmap for us. Mm-hmm. With the amount of time we had and everything, it was like 
deferring to their direction was just crucial in order to make it work. And they had done so much work before we even got our hands on it that mm-hmm. like we kind of knew, knew the beats that we needed to hit. Mm-hmm. And if I was off on them, like they would tell me and it would just work. Like, again, it's just deferring to like well, great an direction. example of you guys putting in something great and just being like, I don't know, it works. So as Key's coming around to get the last guy and he's swinging it around his body, there's a whoosh that's just Right. And you had found that sound. And you're like, yeah. this is one of my favorites. It needs to stay. And we're like, <laughs> okay. Like at first we're kind of like butthurt. We're like, all right, cool. Yeah, we'll put it in. And then we hear it. We're like, yeah, he's right. Yeah, it's really so good. <laughs> well, it's it's that it's that really playful surprise that comes when when you do do all the work to just ground it in something real, real straps, real leather, all this stuff, so that when you want to really make the audience like feel it you have these over-the-top cartoon sounds, or yes. cartoon's the wrong word. It's, it's more just like using sounds from the real world that don't belong here. Like, right. um, mm-hmm. there's a moment when the fanny pack is sliding across the floor, and it's literally just a rocket ship sound. It was like, yeah. as, it's, as it's going around, and those moments kind of just lift you up out of reality for a moment before coming back down with the hit, you know? And I think I think that's the, to me, that's that's the, the rhythm. That's the that's the roller coaster ride of, of sound design that's really fun. It, like an animation approach. Yes, you know? yeah, it like, feels like an animation. Yeah, but that's part of the genius of sound design too, which yeah. I think you guys really explored on Swiss Army Man is is there's the audience will accept a level of abstraction mm-hmm. with the sound yes. that is way farther than most filmmakers totally. think that they will accept, yeah. right? A rocket ship sound for that. For a fanny pack, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I get, you know, with us, you know, I get weirded out when I'm in a room with a creative and they're like, that footstep doesn't sound like it's on wood. And it's like, cool does it need to is the story there for it i mean uh, he's sneaking around like i don't have it playing because he's a ninja like you we don't right, hear right, this right right uh, i think he has rubber soles on it cool you got it bro yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah same yeah. goes for like timing and rhythm as well like it's as an editor as a sound editor at least like sync is like something i obsess over a lot and oftentimes i go for like dead on sync just to make sure it's right and then when i sit back and watch a scene i'm like okay now i can start nudging things out of that little pocket if it's serving the greater rhythm because a lot of people won't pick up that that's not dead on like if it's if it's having the proper effect then that's okay yeah, yeah. that's another thing i really like focused on a lot during sun this. lux with the rhythm of what they do they set up a great rhythm and then paul and you guys edit to a great rhythm it goes back to the music video kind of days and so it's more about am i on beat because you'll notice if i'm off beat more than you'll notice me on beat so like even if my punch lands five frames off the first, cares, and the first thing to go, yeah. the first thing to go is that effect. It's, yeah, it's that's funny. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because we we were talking with your buddy Will Files hey, at, at, at this table a few weeks ago about Batman mm-hmm. with Michael Giacchino. Yeah, and they were they were they were sharing this story that on when they worked together on Ratatouille, of course, ironically, Ratatouille. <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> Heard of it. Uh, <laughs> that's what Will said that he learned that on Reddit. It was like they realized that oftentimes the sound effects and the Foley worked better if they were in sync with the music rather than in sync with the well, image. That, yeah, yeah, that came from us growing up with these guys doing commercials and music videos and all of these things. So it was really funny for us because we'd see people talk about, oh, man, this is the first time it's really been sunk to this and that. And be like, they not done a commercial? <laughs> they not done a music video? Like, what is this? Yeah. Um, because, like, 
rhythm is everything. Yeah. Well, I, so I think you're, I think rhythm is going to be part of the answer to this. But I want to talk with you guys. We, we talk a lot on this podcast about tone mm-hmm. and how filmmakers establish tone, and especially that that critical first few minutes of the movie when you're kind of establishing the rules of the world and kind of you know letting the audience know what exactly the ride is that they're gonna, that they're yeah. going to be on. And so th- th- this film starts deceptively simple. You know, we're in the apartment. It's the taxes. We're in the laundromat. And yet, I, both times I've seen it, I had the same experience, which is like, I just was so tense, I wanted to chew my fingernails off in that first <laughs> yeah, 10, 10 minutes. Yeah, stressful. Mm-hmm. So I, I, what were you guys doing in terms of sound design, rhythm? and Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a huge part of that making the audience so anxious in that, yeah. in, yeah. that, in that tone. We knew that this movie was going to be about just – the feeling of of being overwhelmed, of of too much, and so even from the first frame, we wanted the the whole film to feel visually cluttered and also just you know orally, just or, orally, 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 orally. Yeah, yeah, But the the audio also should feel really cluttered, and right. um, you know, even on the simplest scenes when it's just you know a a family in a laundromat or a family in an apartment, these two kind of helped fill out the sequence. So it just feels anxiety inducing, even if you don't know why. Like even that first shot going through the mirror, we had like Chinese newscaster going off in this corner. There's the the fan blowing and there's the microwave going and stovetop. Stovetop. Just like everything was just kind of felt like it was boiling over and about to. the idea was as the camera moves, each of those takes turns. And so you're you're just like – we haven't cut at all. That's like all one shot, but it's just like, oh my God, we've already moved through like six soundscapes. Yeah. The music has turned off and on. All she's doing is taxes and I'm already stressed. Yeah. And then they start speaking Chinese, but they're interrupting each other and the subtitles are pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of, yeah, all by design to be like, without it even cutting fast yet or anything too plot important happening, you're already overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, no, you totally nailed it because I, I'm sitting in the audience at, and at that first time I watched the movie, I'm like, "Oh my god, is the whole thing gonna be like this?" Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna die. You had like, one of my right favorite now. reviews after South. Uh, you texted me, go. I love it. I feel pummeled. <laughs> yes. I feel pummeled. Yes. yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like you know something's coming now. Like I think that's yeah. another part of it. In your head, you're like, when's the other foot going to drop? Mm. Like when's the other shoe going to Well, I love what you were you, you were saying about, you know, it's cluttered and and – there's just so much going on. I, I saw a great tweet about the film uh, from a Kokonaga who made another one of my favorite films oh, yeah. this year after mm-hmm. Yang. And I just went, I, I wanted to, I, I pulled this because I wanted to get it right. He said, he said, in reacting to your film, he said, less is not always more. Sometimes more is more, <laughs> <laughs> which I just love. And so that, that yeah. it means so much coming from him. Who's like a master of Minimal. less of is minimalism. More. Yeah. yeah right? Where he's just yeah. like, Oh, like I can just, a well-framed shot with careful production design is riveting if like there's something to think about or yeah. to care about there and that is not yeah. our style <laughs> so the fact that he resonated with it is like so nice because we're the same way we resonate with his work and it's like yeah pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> But for you guys, like I'm, I'm so I'm curious. Like, so you have so much going on visually, and you're absolutely right. There's so much going on orally, but you can't play all that stuff at the same time. Well, you have to guide the audience well, yeah, through I mean, it. Right? Explaining to my 12 year old son, 
you know, being like, well, if you play all frequencies at the same time, it's white noise and there's nothing to be heard. So we have to direct. And, you know, this is where panning really came into play because, you know, as we're pushing in at that opening sequence, what she's doing, taxes, you know, you'll have the TV and it all starts. And then as you go in, it's splitting around and then it's starting to become spatial. You have Wayman saying something here. Evelyn's still here. You know, these things are moving when people are walking up, they're coming, they're panning and they're moving because that allowed us to get more in, but also as well cause more stress because now you're being bombarded immersively, not only just from all directions, yeah, not yeah. just full frontal. And so <laughs> and then, I'm sensing some recurring themes. With you, guys. Yeah. Well, you just told that this is, this used to be a porn theater, right? The ghosts of the past. I can neither, conf- I can neither yeah. confirm yeah. nor deny that this used <laughs> to be a porn theater. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and that's the beautiful thing about picking the moments. And, and that's what I think, especially in the beginning, you know, coming downstairs, going through the laundromat, Sun Lux laid this amazing rhythm yeah. to, to, that's going. And so it, it's this bed that allows us to, we get to be the kind of like the soloist at a point because they've made this bed. So it's one of my favorite music moments with rhythm and sync being off is, you know, when Evelyn bangs on the, um, well, she's in the laundromat and she's yeah. trying to talk to yeah, women yeah. upstairs. She bangs so, she bangs on bangs on, yeah. so if you watch that, that's not in sync, you know, but it is with the music. So you never were like, Oh, this is out of sync. You're like, right. Oh, this it, feels so yeah. nice and right. And all the while you have the swell of like the actual air coming through. So it's like, it helps mass that. And we're like, it's like, yeah, we're the, that score is that bad and we're like popping in and out of the forest like from different sides. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah and so, here. and it also helps you direct your vision. You know what I mean? Because you'll hear something, you kind of look over this way, you move over here, mm-hmm. um, which I think we had some of the, you're like, oh, we probably shouldn't pan that as much because I'm noticing big nose go over to the side here. I probably <laughs> right. shouldn't notice her doing that right now. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, it's a, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gathering that you, 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 your process is you have to live with it and there's a lot of experimentation involved and a lot of going down blind alleys right. and coming back mm-hmm. and then... It's that discovery. It all goes yeah. back to what'd you do? What'd you do? Do that again. Do that <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> also, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for apologizing. Yeah. My hat takes me so much better than yours. <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know. I was just going to say that our, our process is like very hands-on. That right. like we... Uh, we love to like imp- have really smart people heading up each department, but also we want to see and touch it all. And 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 when movies get big, a lot of times like it's harder and harder to find, to ever talk to a visual effects artist. Right. Like there's like three people separating you, or like to talk to the actual sound designer who's pulling the sound effects. Like is like embarrassingly rare on big budget things, you know. And and that's like. Uh, important to us to be like, oh, no, we want to work with friends and, and, and build a process where we can actually be in the room. That's mm-hmm. the most valuable thing, like over any gear, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think Becky said it best on a Instagram. Becky, the actress's uh, character name. I, Tally. 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 Said it best was, you know, these guys create an environment to where we just feel like we're in our backyard making movies with our friends. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I read that you have what seven visual effects artists and you guys on this yeah. film with 600 shots yeah something like that yeah I was, and I was I was, I was yeah and I was I was trying to imagine you guys like going through the ILM pipeline or something like that with a movie like this and it yeah. just would have been I mean, you would not have been able to be as hands on yes as, no. <laughs> and like and, so, and some of that's like 
it's just embarrassing when you work with a big team and you have to be like, this is bad. Can you uh, can you tell the person to tell the person to tell the guy that like he's that uh, I want him to start over? Yeah, you know, like the 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 game of telephone that comes you know along with like a big studio sometimes and like there's that and then also there's the 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 fact that we also you know like you said at the beginning we do a little bit of everything so sometimes if things aren't working we have the opportunity to just say like give it to me and literally we put it on our computer and we'll just do a quick pass of it just be like yeah this is closer now now make it better but you know, right, now right, at least right. the, the hard part of sometimes like that's so much faster it's like yeah, oh exactly. would have taken four phone calls three zoom what? calls and, and six yeah, emails a and lot otherwise less like frustrating for us Right, because right. you're not just like dialing for con- you're just right. Like, I mean, I'm right. not saying. Do you like this? No, cool. Do you like this? No, cool. Do you like this? No, cool. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, After yeah. that, but being like, oh no, let me show you. Oh, okay, I see and that. Then now you can make it better. You know, right, or you can right. clean it up, or you can you, you understand mm-hmm. the 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 skeleton, and you get to put some clothes. And on that's it. what yeah. you know. With the big thing like me with Sunlux and the spotting session, you know, letting us to know your where your mind is at. You right. know, because. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we just have to infer and kind of guess on our own taste making of what they would be looking for, right. you know, and that's why we, you know, tend to ask for references and this and that. But now we actually have access to the actual mind yeah. of it makes it a lot fun, makes it a lot better. I'm really great with words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun better. Fun, fun, fun better. better. Fun better. Yeah. They always encourage like playfulness, though, and like just if you have an idea that is like it may sound out there try it like yeah. and if it doesn't work they'll tell you you know it's yeah, like no, the best yeah, one, they do so. it so politely too so it'd be like oh you like this he'll just laugh at you go <laughs> no that is me you know what I didn't like it <laughs> hard pass but I appreciate the effort yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's great uh-huh. it's yeah. okay because you yeah, need to be really able funny. to laugh at yourself right. and it's, not take it is serious and strip your ego away from it I don't know if this has anything to do with anything but Paul Paul, our editor like uh, when he's like stuck editing he just starts sound designing like he he will just obsess over it oh interesting and one of his favorite things to do is uh, ruin the movie and so like like, sometimes he'll be like hey guys I've been working on it what do you think and then he'll play it and he's like put in a bunch of like cat sounds or like you know like just just like fucking with us and then like uh, and then sometimes he fights real hard to keep it in the movie so there's a couple sound effects in the movie that are just full on bad that like <laughs> Paul fought really hard for us to keep yep. in there there's there's one scene where like Jobu is about to go up into the bagel and like she's like talking about suicide and it's like I, I, I don't care if you're coming with me right. and then as she walks away a piece of paper hits one of the extras in the face uh, and that just happened on set and Paul just put this very loud like <laughs> like paper hitting a guy's face sound and it's so funny and so inappropriate for the story and it's still in there yeah. left it in there just uh, mixed mixed a little bit lower than, yeah, yeah, yeah. than he had it he, he texted me he was like I saw it in a theater I could barely hear the paper he was mad about it and he was yeah. upset yeah. yeah he would sneak cat sounds into the yeah. background of Dick Long a lot oh, yeah. just like meowing cats well, and scenes and that's we learned a lot of that from Paul too we used to do that uh, you know we'd always try to Slip in fart sounds or like the Wilhelm mm-hmm. scream or like yeah. any kind of vast like landscape slip, shop. Slip in fart sounds in Swiss yeah, Army yeah, Man. Yeah, it's the only film. It's the only film I've ever worked on that had a had a fart pre dub. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the fartest right? credit yeah. too. Yeah. My mom's we happy sp- I went to art school now. We yep. spent a while on that. Yeah. So I want to ask you guys about the multiverses. Mm-hmm. Um, so. One of the things that struck me the second time I watched the film is what you're doing visually to differentiate the multiverses and kind of orient the audience. You know, you're even like 
changing aspect ratios between mm -hmm. multiverses. And mm -hmm. so I realized that that was really helping me understand where I am, you know, yeah. color wise, you know, composition, camera movement, like the multiverses look very different from mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of thinking, was, you know, I'm sure that they did something similar with the sound and differentiate the multiverses. And then I listened to the film the second time. And I was like, actually, no, it's mm -hmm. actually they're using you guys are using sound design in a very specific way to communicate about the multiverses, but not directly the way you're doing with the visuals. So can yeah. you talk about that? Mm. Yeah. Often, um, often the the cutting between different universes, we wanted it to feel jarring in a way where you always knew where you were, like you're saying. But the experience of watching a movie like that would just kind of make you want to throw up, I think, after a while. <laughs> and so the sound design of the music often is... Um, with the character, with Evelyn's experience. And so um, the, the sequence that comes to mind is uh, right after the fake, the end moment, the fake ending, um, she wakes up from uh, dying and she's <laughs> running around through, you know, the pizza universe, the opera universe, the, the chef universe, all that stuff, the hot dog universe. And um, like you said, visually it's all changing. And actually there are a couple of sound cues and musical um uh, score moments that are also shifting with each one, but then there's also this underlying sound design score thing that's happening that is sort of gluing it all together. So mm -hmm. you're right that like, so like sh she'll go from the um, movie theater universe where there's diegetic um, credits music, which right. is like part of the world, but then underneath it there's almost this horror um, uh, suspense score that then kind of swells into a uh, a sci-fi uh, sound design that kind of brings us into the pizza universe and then suddenly the sound design is again diegetically very different but there's still this underlying glue that takes us through the raccoon universe which is um, on the one hand it's like Pixar Randy Newman music but again with this horror kind of um, feeling yeah. underneath it all that glues it all together and I think that was something that was a fun discovery and also part of the reason why Sunlox had to do two hours of music was because <laughs> even when we licensed music yeah. Yeah. we were like we, we need you to score the music you need, yeah. we need you to add score under this song that we have now licensed or uh, add score underneath the music that you just wrote so they they wrote the in raccoon order to song. glue all these pieces yeah together. exactly so literally you're doing three or four more layers of of audio than you usually should do for a movie but it works somehow um, because of the way we mixed it and the way that it all kind of yeah has a, a very distinct water slide feel yeah. to it the whole thing is, is a water <laughs> slide and you just have to be going by different sounds as you're as yeah. you're hitting that water well, slide the way it was shot too like it really set us up to utilize transition elements yeah right left and right whether it was coming from the scene that we're about to dive into or a conceptual element like the glass and the radio mm -hmm. those were great devices for us sure. to help mm -hmm. like like help the the audience identify kind of what perspective they're coming from or like what Evelyn's going through at that moment. Like the glass was like a huge part of that. And but like so, because it's such a bright kind of beautiful sound in its own way, like you could use like the debris and residuals to like carry you in and out. And it was like it was like a gift for yeah. us. And yeah. then also, regard. yeah, with the hot or the pizza scene the, or the sign spinning, spinning scene, you know, those cars were helping us like carbides coming through to help with those transitions. So, you know, it was never about making 
sonic landscapes of different verses. Right. It was how do they leak in together? Yeah. And so that's the thing that jumped into jumped out yeah. for me was this the, was this leakage aspect, and then yeah. that, mm-hmm. that's when you got the sense of like, oh, these things are all happening at the same time in parallel places because I'm right. getting sounds from other universes yeah. coming in. And then mm-hmm. you know, talking about music always changing and evolving. Literally, I think last day we're on the big final scene and. Um, it's kind of like the overture moment of like all of these things and we're dropping in Rakakuni singing and then the barbershop singing and, and then the opera singer coming back. And I mean, that was literally just like a, like 11th hour thought, Hey, it'd be great if we heard these things here and you know, some of those guys go over, they bring us the thing, I'd plop it in and it plays and you're just like, wow, why didn't we think about this earlier? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, you touched on this a little bit, but can you talk about spatialization and how you use Dolby Atmos? Uh, in uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used it a lot. And we liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did it make it good better? It made it, it, made it better good. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, well, the funny thing is, is Atmos, when we used Atmos for Swiss Army Man, you know, I think you said this is one of the most extreme mixes because we were literally 16 tracks just throwing it everywhere. We're putting it here. We're doing these things. You guys things. were very adventurous. Yes. Yeah. We were, le- <laughs> we were learning. It was all yeah, really yeah. new. Yeah. Like, so, like yeah. even building the backgrounds for that, it was like, is this right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this yeah. is right. And so <laughs> now we're coming in with a bigger perspective because now the great thing about Atmos isn't it's not a constant. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're really finding out about it. So, you know, we tried to pull the music stems apart more. And and first three days on the stage, everybody's like, man, this is so rad. It's doing these things. But then what we really found out is these stems need to be together more because by pulling them apart, you're missing, you're actually messing with the mix and how certain delays and frequencies play off of each other. And so what we were really able to do well is, is get in – get it in a way to where it was still on the front, but we were able to spread the size and make that big. And so now the music just feels huge and encompassing, but together and well, mm-hmm. um, that was a big thing. Um, you know, another way that Atmos really shines is our in detail moments. So like the hallway that we were talking about, having those pinball sounds on the ceiling. So it feels like the lights, the music on that one. Cause one of the big things was, um, when Jobu gets off the elevator, it's supposed to be playing from like overhead of like a little radio and it's just these things. And then we're breaking into these other uh, verses. Like she's controlling the verses sonically like a radio. So being able to have that move and move in the space to give us different feels of these universes and film leaking in. A lot of stuff is coming from the back and going forward, like especially like with uh, Deirdre when she's calling in on the cell phone, you know, it's getting broken up from back here and then forward. And so we're able to spatially feel the universes Mm -hmm. uh, or the verses, uh, multiverses. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in some ways the, the rule of thumb was like, unless it wasn't about another universe, it, we didn't really throw it into the Atmos. Uh, right. you know, everything right. else was very right. straightforward in the mix. And then right. once we got into any sort of leaking or any sort of uh, confusing moment for our main character, that's when we really started to have fun. And that's when, yeah. you know, in some ways we almost did the wrong thing. You know, normally you don't want backgrounds to be distracting, right? That's right. like, that's the worst thing you can do in, in one of these kind of mixes. Uh, but it made sense for our film to actually have things kind of take you out of it because that's what our character is feeling. Our character is right. feeling all 
these things kind of spiraling around her head and she's so distracted from the the main mission um and i think i think about like the scene when she screams and you see her face kind of rapidly uh shift through all the universes that was a moment where you guys really had fun oh, and just yeah. all the screaming of her voices and the way that like it kind of starts from the front and goes to the back and it, it, it really that's like a really fun moment where you know we're using all of the tools of the cinematic exhi- exhibition experience to um, push that experience of, of chaos you right. know the visuals are going nuts the the sound is going nuts um, you know in some ways we yeah. were we, we did annoying things on yeah. purpose because that fit the story yeah. right. to be like you're you're invested in this scene and then like someone's whispering over there and then like yeah. there's like a radio sound happening in the back left and I'm trying to pay uh, what the fuck is that and then <laughs> like the next scene would it you cuts know you, yeah, and then and you realize like, oh, oh that's that was the, on purpose that's the vibe of this yeah, movie like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of the first moments I really felt that and loved that. And I feel like at the end, to your point, with the, you know, that, that animated sequence again when Evelyn and, uh, and Joe Boo are fighting and they're like swirling around and going through all those universes while they're like they're having their big moment. Mm-hmm. Like you feel all of those environments. I mean, yeah. I remember putting those together and – like we had little elements that could stick out from each one. You have like the embers of the fire blowing around and it's just like, it is a very intense all encompassing moment. And like <laughs> to have all that space and use all of it in the theater. Yeah. Like, I uh, think the direction on that was, do you want individuals? Do you want this? Do you want all of this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. more, yeah, more, yeah. more is more, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the case of this movie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it helped us to take all this craziness, all so much that you've been hearing and like even make it bigger yeah. at yeah. the end and help it culminate. Well, I think, I mean, you started to answer my next question, which was, I, I know that, you know, it was really important for you guys and also for A24 to wait mm. and have a proper theatrical release for this film. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to wait until it seemed relatively safe. I feel like we're we're sort of between, maybe between variants now, so it's a good time no, to put- it's over. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> can you talk about why the theatrical experience is so important for this movie and for you guys mm. uh, to wait for that and to and and, and to, to get it out and and for people to see it in the theaters? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we have so many answers for that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, it's lucrative. I think that was like uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, all right. There is that. Twenty four was like I think we, we, we could charge a lot. Um, uh, but no, we. I mean, we knew we knew it would be a fun one in theaters and uh but we kind of it was even more fun than we thought like and i'm so glad we waited like and it was hard to wait like it's so frustrating to be done yeah. with something and be proud of it and then just sit at home uh in quarantine <laughs> uh but like it's but there's, been there's like the there's the technical aspect of it which i'll talk about in a little bit and then there's also the the social aspect of it which i think like often gets um you know, sidelined when talking about the theatrical experience. Um, but it's like, it's yeah. honestly our favorite yeah. part of it is, right. is like, we, it's, I love when a movie looks and sounds great, but I really love when the audience is great. Like yes. that's what's like yeah. the most yeah. magical thing about like theatrical experiences for me. And, and, and we tried to make a movie that, that played on both of those fronts, you know, be like, sure. oh, there's action scenes and there's visual effects and really cool music. But also there's scenes that are like full on, like, Jackass, jackass yeah. like <laughs> jokes where you're going to be like screaming 
and squeezing the hand of your friend because like someone's getting paper cuts or uh, you know paper cuts or I, I had no idea both both times I've seen the film the audience completely lost their minds when Key eats the chapstick oh yeah, yeah like, it turns out it turns out like that's so a, well. that's a visceral yeah, like yeah, dis- right. disgusting thing that people <laughs> completely <laughs> click in there that yeah right, that's and then like yeah but then like I didn't even realize we'd to, to what degree we had done this, but we've almost made like the the therapy version of Jackass where like it, the movie makes a lot of people cry and there's something so beautiful about crying with strangers right. and, and feeling kind of validated by each other, like being like, I feel something, you feel something. And like- Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories of people like just having strangers pass a tissue to them during the, this movie. And I'm like, that is beautiful. Oh, like, yeah. oh <laughs> man, the fact that my movie did that, like yeah. it's so <laughs> exciting. And so like, um, I think, you know, especially after a, uh, a pandemic, like being able to come together and like have a cathartic experience, yeah, um, yeah. is like, oh my god, it's so fun. Uh, but it's especially palpable. fun when it sounds good and it's right. an atmos. Yeah, yeah. It was like well, it was I mean, palpable. <laughs> South, South by it was just like I remember Brent and I leaning over when it was over and we're like, wow. Yeah, we it was like, a rock it felt, show. It felt, yeah. it felt so like a concert amazing. at South by. It was insane. Like mm-hmm. we were almost like standing ovations after fight scenes. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, they liked it. <laughs> they really liked it. And, it's, feel, and it sounds like that's still happening. And it wasn't. Yeah. And it's like it's there's something about the moment right now and about theaters that like this yeah. movie like I, fun. I feel like people were ready for this yeah. and so I it was it was such a great like gift for me because I, I was in that you audience South at South by, by right. for your opening <laughs> um your opening night and you know it was like the, the theater was packed and everybody was ready for this but and then they also they, they know that you're there they know that the cast is there like it's just it it was this really beautiful night and then I also got to say like that was one of the just most amazing Q and A's I have ever. Yeah. Like people had such an emotional reaction to the movie, yeah. and they needed to talk about it. And like and, serious uh, questions, and like really great questions. Processing yeah. intergenerational trauma and yeah. all of this stuff. And were you guys prepared for that? For, no, for that? I was like, they're going to ask Jamie about you know being famous. Like yeah. this is going to be an easy Q and A. Thank God, like Jamie and Michelle are here. And then they just kept asking us about. Uh, Queerness, generational trauma, <laughs> AAPI violence, uh, yeah, just the easy depression, mental health, yeah. and <laughs> and it was, but it, like that was our first taste of what the past month has been like, which yeah. is like right. just this opportunity to have these conversations that mean so much to us, you know, and to also hear what it means to other people, and it's like, what I love about yeah, what powerful. I love about this experience of of watching other people um, come out of the theater is. You know, I've heard a lot of stories from people just, you know, friends or family members texting me like, I just saw the movie. It was wonderful. But like I literally am watching a group of strangers like stand outside of the theater and just excitedly talk about your movie. And right. like that, like is such a incredible thing that, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you don't even dream of as a filmmaker because like it doesn't seem possible. But the fact that strangers will just sit in the circle and, and want to talk about your film the moment it's done mm-hmm. is such a... Uh, it's yeah. It's 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 why you make these things because you I, want yeah. <laughs> I liked Midsommar a lot, and then afterwards I had this conversation with like a bunch of traumatized dudes. Yeah, <laughs> and and I was like, this movie's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this movie's the best. Right, I officially yeah. love it now. Like, yeah. but it was that conversation afterwards. Um, but the theatrical experience—that that's what you don't get. That you might you might have fifty million people watch it in the same weekend on a streaming platform, yes. but there's not that sense of community around. Yeah, it. completely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so so obviously the, that social aspect is is so wonderful and, and like we even underestimated how great that would feel for this movie but then to me the the technical stuff is also just so incredible because we're in a we live in a world where immersion is is almost impossible to achieve anymore um, people talk about like the fact that you know a lot of streaming movies are kind of built to be um, passively watched where you can be on your phone at the same time because the longer that you're watching, the more hours that they're taking and the more they can send that back to their um, to their investors. You know, it's like, look, we took 10 hours of, of, you know, everyone's day for a month, you know. Um, and, and so you don't get the full immersion because you're on your phone or you're talking to someone else or maybe even playing games while you're watching something. And so to be in a theater fully immersed by the sound, fully immersed by an image, it you know it's trapped, it's trapped exactly, and, and shamed not to have your phone exactly. Out, right? it's, it's such it's such a rare uh, thing to experience these days to be fully immersed in something like that. And I think it's the kind of thing that can only happen when the sound is is big, where your butt is rumbling from the bass. It fe- it reminds me of of like going to the Sistine Chapel and having right. to look up at something. Um, you know, they, they say even like psychologically, the act of looking up actually um, in, induces a, a feeling of awe in you just naturally. Just It's mm. just something that we do. That's why we look up the stars. That's why we mm-hmm. look up at these sequoia trees. Um, we're thinking about higher things in that act, this physical act that kind of um, turns into a, you know, potentially a spiritual act. And so just looking up at a big screen and watching an incredible piece of art, this, the scale of it is is actually, I do think it is, is important. And you can't really capture that with even like a 60, 70 inch TV. It's, it's still right. exciting and impressive, but yeah. to be, to have to look up and feel small is like such mm-hmm. a beautiful experience. Well, it's to, to your point too, like, I mean, we were talking about just the tension in that first minutes, and I was, I was, I was thinking about it too. Like if I were, if I were watching this at home, I guarantee you I would have hit pause mm-hmm. just because it was so overwhelming that yeah, first yeah, 10 yeah. minutes. But you can't do that. Like you, you just let all the air out. You can't. So yes. you you have to kind of, you have to strap yourself in the seat and take the ride. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Omakase, I trust you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. More food metaphors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised all that was the first one in a while. Yeah. We should yeah. do more. Up we that should do metaphor. more. Yeah. 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 The moosh-boosh of sounds. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I know we're coming to the end of our time, but um, I usually like to end these conversations by asking you, like, what was your favorite? Sound moment in the film, something that like just when it, when you're when you're in a screening and it comes up, like uh, just makes you giddy. Uh, I have one, please. Uh, but it's um, <laughs> it's similar to talking about how I like the theatrical experience because of the people, and I don't care what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> uh, similarly, this scene uh, with the rocks, like we tried things, like we we did some time lapse photography, we. We tried some interesting soundscape things and and time and again we were like, nope, too much. And we would strip things away and we're like, this is the break. The audience needs a break. And like uh, in theaters, it's been so fun to leave an audience in mostly silence after the pummeling. For the the rock scene. Yeah, and then just be like, guess what? You're going to read a PowerPoint about philosophy now <laughs> and, just, and just to watch people like giggle and then they laugh at each other for laughing yes. and, and there's just and, and they're almost like wishing there was more sound because it would give mm-hmm. them like uh, a, a like safety blanket to la- yeah, to laugh like, more, yeah. like I'm emotional I'm giggling and I'm crying and it's like uh, it's so funny that in a movie that's all about maximalism the, the scene that like one of the scenes we're most proud of is the, like the one where we then strip it all away 
yeah. <laughs> you know, and you have to just sit with whatever the movie did to you for a couple minutes. Mm. Yeah. And using that space, like mm. using the surrounds and everything to have that wind move from one side to the other. And like, I remember Shiner staying behind Alex, our uh, yeah, she was just talking about recording this. mixer. Yeah. She was just like, yeah, we would like strip it down to like all, like we had a ton of wind in there and some dust and everything and those distant chimes mm-hmm. and like them sitting there just like getting that orchestration right, moving around the room. Yeah. We're all just sitting there like, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think to quote Ali, she goes, when we initially played it, it felt like a windstorm. And then, yeah, and then by the end, it turned into this nice, just a Zen garden. Yeah. I'm curious. What 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 are your guys' favorite favorite sounds? sound moments? Sound moments. Yeah. Um, mine are all inappropriate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the one of my favorite stupid ones that I always giggle and always get mad when people talk over is at the end of the part of the hallway scene when she has the big dildo and it's got that like wobble saw to it. I remember you're like, oh, turn it down. I'm like, no, please don't. Please don't turn it down. I just want that. Sounds like a big sheet of metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but sure. Yeah, Also, yeah, yeah. one of my favorite like <clears throat> audio moments, not necessarily a sound moment, is um, – story of a girl that whole mm-hmm. like they went and got the guy that originally the artist that made that song yeah, and it changes yeah. per universe and so the uh daniel shiner cameo is he's coming out of the dungeon in the back of the office with the dominatrix it's plain but it's a story of a dom mm-hmm. and oh, <laughs> it ties me up so good but it's wrong yeah. Yeah. she takes uncensored photographs <laughs> yeah i absolutely love it my safe word smile yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's buried, but that's yeah. what's funny. Those every, are little like eggs, and I'm just like, yeah. Every time on stage, like a version would come up, we'd all just be cracking up. Yeah. Was there any debate? You always knew that that part was yours. We did, oh, there we, was debate. Yeah, yeah. we, t- we, t- we t- <laughs> <laughs> because because your your cameo is brilliant. It's you know? the best cameo. Yeah. So we tried good. to get like a famous a list actor just coming for an afternoon, and we couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't working out. It didn't f- work out, and then yeah. and then we were like, oh, maybe we'll just cast somebody. And then I was like, oh, that I don't think Michelle's going to enjoy doing this scene with just like a some random a, a random yeah. LA actor. Like, and I want her to enjoy this. Like, and so then we're like, she's gonna. She like we've put her through the ringer for four, like a month now. Like, uh, let's just let her spank me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I put a ball gag in my mouth. I can't give her any direction, and and it worked. I think she like had a lot more fun. She really enjoyed it. the day. We, we, did, the we did too many takes. Yeah. yeah, I was like, Dan, we got it. And he's like, No, no, no do no, it no. again. <laughs> like, oh my god. I will say that that moment, uh, right, everything leading up to the butt slap on the staircase is probably one of my favorite like moments of sound. I don't know what it is. There's 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 this build up to the ball gag turning into. For the, I think it's a um, pair of scissors turn into a ball yep. gag, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. and there's like this beautiful um, radio swell mixed with the music, and then right when it pops, there's like this cartoon cork pop that mm-hmm. we use, which is really funny. It's just like you know, really stupid. Um, and then it kind of goes silent for a moment, or not silent, but like really spare uh, for a bit. And then there's this um, something in the, I think the drums that just feels like a shutter, where it just goes, and and like it just feels so good because you're you're it's watching the sound of eroticism. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're looking at, at Michelle holding this ball gag and looking at his face terrified, and he just goes. 
and, and, like, <laughs> and then and then she like does this thing with her eyes and then she just shoves it into your mouth and then the music swells at that mm. moment and then it all leads up to the slap and there's something about that where every time uh, the sound really just makes me feel so yeah. excited to be a filmmaker. I really, I'm now gonna, I'm now gonna request A24 to give us a clip so that we can showcase. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that's, that's, that's right there. Like of like my favorite sequences, like when when Wayman turns to like you know like when she starts fighting like Wayman, and it's like mm-hmm. this after this plea to humanity to like be kind, and like suddenly you see that put into practice. And just the rhythm of how it's shot and the way everything's put together, it was just, it was a delight to cut. It was so (laughs) much fun. Like, there are all these different elements you can use, and you get suddenly get these people's backstories that you weren't quite, Mm -hmm. like, keyed in on, and it's, like, it's wonderful. I will say from a sound effects perspective, um, and it's one of the things that really grasped me the first time we watched the long play, like you had had hints all the way through as to like something different's going on here, but when they're in the elevator and he pulls out that umbrella, right, and it's like, thump, and he spins it up. I like, I could not wait to cut that part. And, like, <laughs> I took a bunch of umbrellas, obviously, and just rubbing my fingernails on it and stuff. And there's something about that where I'm like, feel like we're telling the audience, like, all right, hold on. Here it goes. Yeah. And it's just, I love that part yeah. so much. It's, that's a, that's great, a great moment. The yeah. shot and the sound. Boom, boom. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that rhythm, too. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, wait, what? What's going on? <gasps> He's such love. a badass, man. He mm-hmm. is. He's a delight. Yeah. All right, now least favorites, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. It. There's this one scene where you still <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't, no. I didn't tell I didn't tell you my favorite one. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. so, so yeah. I, I, you know, because uh, I, I wanted to hear the Atmos mix. So mm-hmm. it's showing down the street mm-hmm. at the Chinese Theater mm-hmm. in Dolby Atmos. Wow. So I, I went down there last weekend, and I'm just enjoying them you know it's a great audience have great reactions not quite as off the hook as South by but yeah. people really enjoying the movie and so I'm sitting there and I'm kind of old school about like uh, to me I'm you know I, the movie's not over until the credits are done like mm-hmm. I because I like mm-hmm. to see my friends names I like what's you know so I'm, I'm sitting there watching watching the credits and I'm starting to get annoyed I'm like who are these knuckleheads who are talking behind me what the <laughs> hell and I look I look behind and I'm the only person in the theater. You guys put all those voices in there. Like, <laughs> Do you have and, a theory but, of what they are? But like so pinpoint specific in the Atmos speakers. Yeah. Like they really, I thought that they were just like all these chuckleheads behind yeah. me just oh like God. talking all I'm the so way I'm so glad through. it worked on you. You're the, you're the, the perfect target audience for that joke. <laughs> it's one of our last jokes in the mix. I figured that it was more leakage from the multiverses, yeah. like no, coming, totally. coming to besiege We recorded uh, all of our, um, what are they called? Loop, loop group, group. The loop yeah. group actors. Um, and almost like as a, on a whim, we weren't, we were like, I'm not sure if we're going to use it, but in the universe filled with bagel followers where the bagels <laughs> behind the curtains, mm-hmm. maybe all of those henchmen and women should just be muttering things that are on the bagel. And so we have like all these recordings where we just told them like, just list stuff, guys. And so, like, it's just they're all like, the they're like, Nintendo 3DS, yeah. Britney Spears' divorce paperwork. It's just like something like that. Tuna. Yeah, and, like, like, some of them had a weird soup. sense of humor, yeah. and we were like, what is it? That guy keeps talking about, like, Windows 95. Like, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and then you can't hear it in the scene, so we put it in the credits. So, those are the bagel followers listing what's on the bagel. Uh, <laughs> the bagel followers listing what's on the bagel. That's everything yeah. that's on the bagel. All right, you heard it. It's an Easter egg. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad, you, so glad you heard it. I was so annoyed. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
It worked. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it has been such a delight yeah. talking with thank you, you about this film. Yeah, thank, thank you for much. having us. I, uh, I, I, no pressure, but I cannot wait to see what the, what uh, this brain trust comes up mm. with next. A silent film. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we're, all, I was like we're all retiring. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations! It's a great, great movie, thank and you. Uh, thank and, you. and and obviously you've been out for a couple of weeks now. It's been going wide. Um, people are seeing it and responding to it. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having us. By the time this comes out, we'll be uh, backlashed. You know, yeah, yeah. 10% ah. on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> thousands more reviews. Never mind, we changed our mind. No. It's no. a weird way to end the interview. <laughs> really appreciate this. <laughs> Celebrating sound sounds so important. They did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. That is awesome. No, it's really fantastic. I'm just thrilled with, uh, with how you guys have embraced our technology and are, you know, using it in such consistently delightful ways, whether it be through farts or mm. yeah. pinky, is, pinky fighting or, no, you know. That's still one of my, that's my, actually, I take it back. My favorite sound is that first pinky punch into the sword guy because it's just so big. It's the boo, boo, and then. <laughs> oh, the baseball bat. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so amazing. So, uh, okay. It's a powerful tool. Uh, you're never going to, we're never going to be yeah. done. We're going to keep talking forever. Leave. We got to go. Like doing talk. more sounds. Exactly. You, guys, yeah, exactly. You, guys, you guys are great. Thank you, Dan, Daniel, Brent, and Andrew for joining me today. And extra special thanks to our friends at A24 who put this conversation together for us and provided us with that great clip. We love doing these roundtable conversations with the directors and their close collaborators in person. But as you can imagine, it's quite a juggling act to get everybody together in one place. And so we are really, really grateful to our partners for making that happen. So thank you. And thank you our audience for watching and listening to us, the Dolby Institute podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to us. You can find links to our dedicated podcast feed in our show notes, or you can just search for Dolby wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're looking over those show notes, you can also find a link to purchase tickets to everything, everywhere, all at once at a cinema near you. And as you've heard from the filmmakers already, it's a fun movie and it's a really amazing experience in Dolby Atmos. So please check and see if it's playing at a theater near you in Dolby Atmos and seek out that experience while it is still in the movie theaters. And remember, this is only part one of our two-part conversation about everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, so I hope to see you in a couple of days when we post the second part of this conversation talking about the music of the film. Until then, thank you again for joining us. This has been Sound and Image Lab, the Dolby Institute podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. Our producer and editor is Michael Coleman. Our executive producers are Amanda Schneider and Jack Ferry, with production support by Taylor Hines. And our production coordinator is Sonny Chen. Thank you for listening.